because you don't want that to happen again. So I ended up joining a gym here in Pasadena and would uh, work out early morning. I started working out with this guy that was doing bodybuilding. Now, uh, bodybuilding and what I needed to bodybuild for are two different things. I needed to build up on bulk, but I was ended up working out with this guy, and somehow, someway, he talked me into this unusual diet. I lived on tuna, canned tuna and grapes. Right? Canned tuna and grapes. And I'll never forget my mom one day in the kitchen. She had come by and she says, What smells? I said, I don't know. I, well, maybe I need to take a shower. No, something smells like canned tuna. She came up and smelled me. I guess I smelled like canned tuna. And she says, what are you doing? I said, well, I've been working out. And you're eating tuna and, and, and grapes? I said, yeah, you know, tuna and grape. You know, it's kind of like tuna is supposed to lean you up, but grapes, all they do is make you go to the restroom. Right? <laughs> so I remember when my football coach found out that I was eating tuna and grapes. Oh, did I ever hear the end of it? You are not a bodybuilder. In fact, I was the kid, my mom would buy our jeans. I, I believe they were either J.C. Penney or Sears. You remember Huskies? You may remember growing up. They had those like reinforced knee pads. So you as a kid could be in the, you know, in the asphalt and not tear them on up. I was just kind of a little Husky kid, but I'll never forget getting chewed out. I am not the bodybuilder type. I'm not the type that can fit in skinny jeans, right? Uh, but I want to talk today because what, one of the things we're going to see in, God, in the Word of God is Jesus has, his body is the church, it's us. And he wants us built up. He wants us serving him. And I want to look at that today, but I want to go through a couple of the scriptures that we uh, read almost every week to remind us of why we're doing the things that we're doing this year, daily Bible reading, and it has to do with hungering and thirsting for him. In fact, that's the verse, John 6, 35. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, notice that hungering and thirsting is, I believe this, both receiving and giving. It's like going to a lake. If you ever gone to a lake, we all would, would picture maybe a lake that we'd like to go to, but sometimes a lake's a little stinky and there's algae and there's those things. But if you go to a river, a river is always moving. The water is never stagnant. Everything's moving and going. We're to hunger and thirst, not only just to fill ourselves up, but we're also to be that river that we're able to give it away, give it away. I love, when I read this, I laugh every time because I try to picture this scripture in my mind. And I want to read just a couple verses. This is Mark chapter 10, verse 41 through 45. We read the story in Matthew 20. This is the story in Matthew 20 where James and John, the disciples, and the mother bow before Jesus. And the question that the mother asks in Matthew 20 is, on their knees, will you allow my sons, James and John's, to sit on your right hand and your left hand on your throne? Is that a ridiculous question? Right? And all of the disciples are around. In fact, when we read in Mark 10, Mark 10 uh, lists that the two boys do it. In fact, I want to pick this up in verse 41. And when the 10 heard it, well, what did they hear? 
They heard that these guys kneeled down, and Matthew says with the mom, and asked, Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, let us, let one of my boys sit on the right and then one on the left. You know, you can put Father God somewhere in the middle, somewhere. Uh, that, that's the question a, a mother asked. Well, it, in verse 41, the ten heard it, and they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. And Jesus called them to himself and he said, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. Lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Listen to verse 43. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall become what? Servant. You want to be great in God's kingdom? You become a servant. And he goes on. And whoever of you desires to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I can't believe, you know, can you imagine? Mom, can you help us today? We're going to go see Jesus. We want to kind of get on the throne, right hand, left hand. Oh, yeah, I'll help you out. That's like calling your mom to come help you at work. You got a difficult situation. I brought in my mom. Boy, some of your bosses, you wouldn't hear the end of that, would you? Tell mom to go home. Can't you stand up here and talk to me? Well, in this ridiculous story, which is perfect for us, because the way that God does things is totally different to our thinking in our world system. And I remember this. There's probably not a week that goes by that I don't remember this verse Psalm 75, verse 6. The New King James says, For exaltation comes not from the east nor the west or the south. In fact, the King James says the word promotion. Let's read it that way. Promotion comes not from the east or the west or the south. You know, in the translation, it leaves out one other location. It's the one north, which is the picture of God is the judge. He sets one up, and he sets another one down. And look how God works. He chooses a, a king after his own heart in David. But where is David found when we read about him in the Bible? He's out with the sheep. He's forgotten about at the dinner with the prophet Samuel. That's how God chooses. He chooses, he's got a man after his own what? His heart. God chooses Moses. Moses is on the backside of the desert. Moses doesn't speak very well. But Moses is the one chosen to lead the people out of bondage into the promised land. So God always does those things when we have those servant hearts. He's the one that sets one up. He's the one that sets one down. So promotion, I could say it like this way, is orchestrated by the Lord. And he doesn't forget you ever had your boss say, you know, we haven't done your review in a while, have we? <laughs> yeah. God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget. So last week in Acts chapter 6, we looked at the early church. The early church was in a little bit of trouble. And the trouble was there was complaining at the serving tables that the Greek Jews, ladies, were being left out from the distribution and the Jewish lay, the Hebrew ones, were the ones getting all the goods. 
And so we read that the apostles decided to appoint seven men full of the Holy Spirit and with wisdom to begin to lead out. In fact, let me read that verse, Acts chapter 6, verse 3 and 8, and it says this, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And in verse 8 it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now put a pause there. Wait, he's serving tables. He's not necessarily preaching or teaching. He's serving tables. He's passing out daily distribution. Yet here's what we read about him. He was full of faith and power, and he did great wonders and signs among the people. You know, last week we talked about, I'm sure he's listening to people's needs. He's caring about their needs. He's passing out whatever distribution needed to go their way. But here's what he's also doing. Every opportunity that he can, he's going to pray for people. And the Bible says, great wonders and signs were done among the people. So we said this, ministry isn't just about preaching or leading worship. Ministry is more about being with God's people and listening and caring and having a heart that's open, reaching those that he would have you reach. We're going to look today that uh, Jesus is the head of the church and he calls us his body. He calls us his body. So you should be in Ephesians chapter 4. I'd like you to turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 4. We read this just a couple days ago in our reading. And I love this first verse. In fact, if I could read one verse today, stop and say you're dismissed, it would be this one verse. Because I feel like it's so important that we need to hear over and over again. Let me read these one, but let me read verse 1 for a minute. Ephesians 4.1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, listen to what he says, I beseech you. You know what that is? I urge you, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. That's Paul starting out. I, I urge, I strongly urge you, that's what beseech means, to walk worthy of the calling which which you were called. Notice verse 2 and on. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Let me read that last one again. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens 
that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth for the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, I love verse 12 out of the New Century Version. It says this, Christ gave those gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving to make the body of Christ stronger. Right? That, that's, that's the picture, the body of Christ becoming strong. Now let me tell you, reading these 16, you could, you could stop at one of every one of these verses and just camp out right there because I think Paul unpacks a lot in there, but we want to understand this. We are part of Jesus's body. He is the head of the church. And I love that part where he says, every joint supplies something. You know, a few years ago, I remember waking up early in the morning and I thought my arm was numb. You ever done that before you wake up and you have a, and, and I reached over and I felt what I thought was Michelle's arm but it was my arm. And I started pinching myself and I couldn't feel it. Now I've had that happen before and you know you kind of shake it off a little bit and you feel the tingly happen. This time it wasn't coming back. And it scared me and I jumped out of bed. And I didn't know I'd flung my arm like this because it was complete. and I knocked the lamp off and my Bible's on the table and I'm flinging my arm around and I scared my wife. She thought I was in a fight in our bedroom with somebody. I'm slinging this arm around. All she's seeing in the dark is an arm flying around. And after probably what seemed like five minutes, I don't think it was five minutes, I could feel that my arm started tingling and the blood came back in. And I was so, I don't think I ever went back to bed. I was so scared that I had slept on that thing so long you know, it's funny because I haven't had that happen until again this morning. I woke up, my little pinky finger's numb. I thought I had to have been because of my illustration today. Have you ever accidentally been barefoot in your house and you walked and you kicked a wall and hit your pinky toe? Oh, that little pinky toe hurts so, and you think it's got to be broken, but you know, they don't do anything for little toes that are broken. They kind of tape it all up. But that little pinky toe, when it's hurt like that, you don't walk right. Somebody says, are you, are you okay? Did you have hip surgery? No, 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 no. Did you, did you have knee replacement? No. What'd you have? I hit my pinky toe. Boy, you sure walking a little funny with your pinky toe. I, you know, grow up, right? Man up, right? Walk it off. But you know what I mean? That little, just that little pinky toe hurts and throws off your walk. You know, I, I had known somebody at one time, they had had both of their 
toe, big toes removed. And I didn't know this. Their, their balance was completely thrown off. They were falling every day. And it was because that toe, and you, you wouldn't think, you would think, you know, I think I stand more in the ball of my foot. No, it's the toe, and they would fall down. It was embarrassing to them. But just that toe gone, just that pinky that hurts, just the littlest thing that happened throws everything off. And I think that's what Paul's saying. Everybody supplies something in the body. You get a thorn in the bottom of your foot, it throws off your whole body, doesn't it? It throws everything. The littlest thing can throw it off. But you understand what it's like when you don't have any pain and you can go forward. And I think that's what he was talking about. That every part, the seen, the unseen, does it share. And when it does it share, it causes growth. I think that was the picture that we see in Acts 6 that solving this problem of arguing at the table, when the problem was solved, two things happened. In fact, you read on in the Bible. The people were served and cared for, and the word of God spread and was multiplied. If either one had been neglected, the word of God would have not gone forth like it was supposed to, or the people would have been complaining, 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 and it would have caused division within the church. And that's why I think Paul picks these things back up, and he talks about, remember, walk worthy of your calling. In fact, look your neighbor in the eyes and do it serious. I know sometimes you smile when you look at him. Say, walk worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of your calling. You know, many times, many times that throws in another question, because you might say, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? Where does the gifting and calling come from? The Lord. It comes from the Lord. So Paul says this, we've got one body, it's the body of Christ, and he gave gifts. We're not going to be like John and his brother James, and they grab his mom, and we bow before Jesus, and I want to be at the right hand of the throne. No, we come before the Lord, and the Lord is the one that shows us what we're gifted in. And that's where he starts, as I mentioned. That's where he starts with a David in the field. That's where he starts with a Moses on the backside of the desert. That's why he starts with a Joshua, and he talks to Joshua about meditating the word. That's why he continues to do that. We go before the Lord, and he's the one that directs us on what we're supposed to do. So Paul picks this back up in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 28. It's almost like he takes Corinthians and Ephesians and he's telling these two different churches the very same thing about that you're the body of Christ. And he says this, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and variety of tongues. Many times when we read these, we only think of the five. We forget helps. What's helps? Helps ministry. Serving in various needs through the body of Christ. Administrators. Let me tell you, some of you, and I've known some, some of you are gifted administrators. When you look at a project or something, you can figure out how to do it. Some of you would say, I have no administration gifts but I can do these other things. These gifts are given by who? 
by God. You know, you can, you can be taught in the best schools, you can have the best degrees, and you could think that you've got maybe the best job, but you could be completely out of assignment based on whatever your gifts and callings of, of the Lord. In fact, the New Century says it this way, in the church, God has given a place to first apostles, second to prophet, third to teachers. Then God has given a place to those who do miracles, those who have gifts of healings, those that can help others, those who are able to govern, those who can speak in different languages. And I love when I read it, those who want to help others. You know, last week, I didn't know this, when I was sharing uh, on Acts 6, I ended the service with what I felt the Lord was saying as a church was that we need to care more. We have passed out, we are figure, trying to figure this out, we've passed out over 1,500 bags, lunch bags in our community. We passed out another 600 care boxes. But I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, uh, there's more that you need to do on care. I reached out uh, after that message to a friend of mine, and I don't know all the details of how it will work out, but what I had in my heart was that we would have something monthly as a food ministry here at the church that we could reach out into our community, not just the English congregation, but now we have a Spanish congregation, Chinese congregation, Gypsy congregation. And so I connected with a guy that's uh, well connected with Second Harvest Food Bank just to sit down and say, I really feel like that this is the time. So um, I got back, he's out of town, we're gonna connect when we get back because I felt like the Lord wanted us to care more. And what better way to start than by finding the needs out there? Well, all I do is I start that emotion. Tuesday, a lady comes to Bible study bringing a two-year-old Mac desktop computer. It's two years old. I looked it up. It's worth almost $1,400. Out of the blue. And I, I don't think that that's a coincidence. I always feel like when our hearts get moved and the Lord knows that it's right and pure, He does those things to bless our church. So here, you know, here's somebody brings in a, a, a computer for the church that if we had to go out and buy it, you know, $1,400. Thursday night, I'm in a warehouse. I'm going through a furniture that's going to be donated to our church. A Starbucks is remodeling, and we get to pick through all of their furniture to set up over next door. Is that a coincidence that it all hits in a week? I think it's the Lord many times saying, as you've gone out to help and to serve, I want to bless you, right? I want, it, I want to be a blessing on you. So I love when I read those things because when, when the body is in alignment, then God begins to move on hearts. You know, I, I don't mean to pick on Jess in the back there, but Jess, I believe, preaches in a convalescent home almost every day of the week, out preaching, right? The things that are never seen or known by anybody. But you know who knows? God knows. We don't need to get our mom and go kneel before the Lord and say, remember me next to your throne and, and inscribe my name because God sees. And he rewards those things that are done in secret. He rewards those things openly. Let me read a couple more verses here. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8. And it says this. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. 
For as we have many members in one body, but all of the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having them gifts differently according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. I love that bit. Paul is saying again in Romans, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberally, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And I love how Paul is saying this in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, and in Ephesians, in these different churches. And it's like he's saying this, stir up the gift that is on the inside of you. Stir up those gifts. As we go back to Acts 6 and we look at that, it was the gifts that got stirred up that solved and released the word to change lives. Then Peter picks this back up again in 1 Peter 4.10, and he says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. What does it cause? Growth to the body. Every part doing its share. I have a lady in our church, she'll text me usually every day uh, praying for you. And you know how that just means so much. Many of you have that as well too. Some of you are really good about that on whether Facebook or something. You don't know. Sometimes you don't ever hear back from anybody. And sometimes you think, is this even necessary? Is, but you know what? You're doing it under the Lord. And it's planting seed in people's hearts. And as Peter says, minister it to one another. So real ministry is serving others. And serving should never be motivated by law. It should never be motivated by pressure. But it's a love for God that begins to do an outflow of your heart to God's people because they're his body. It's his church. And he's laid down his life for those people. So real ministry is serving one another. And you know, that's such a mindset change for many times for us. But Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. You had a couple pastor friends, and I thought these were some interesting stories. They had a guest speaker. They went out to church for lunch, and they were ordering something to drink. And the, the guest speaker said, I would like an iced tea filled to the top with ice with three lemon slices and two straws. And then I'd like a glass of water filled to the top with no ice. And then I'd like a glass of ice uh, with just half water. So they ordered their, and so he didn't know if he was on a special diet uh, or what. And so he just said, hey, can I ask what's that for? Oh, yeah. When I go to restaurants, I just like to see if they'll do it. <laughs> I think if I was a waiter, I'd put a little extra something, something in, in that drink. I just want to see if they'll do it. Wow. Now. I say that on one hand, but many times, sometimes we may do no, nothing like that, but is it serving one another? Another uh, 
pastor friend of mine was telling me a story about another guest speaker that he had asked for somebody to do a coffee run for him. And he labeled exactly what coffee he wanted and how much cream, and he said these words, I want it stirred three times with a wooden stirrer. I'm not making these things up. And I'll know if they don't use wood and if it's not stirred three times. If I heard that from a guest speaker in the morning, I would say, you know, it's really been great having you at the Hills Church. Could you go serve out the coffee cart and stir everybody's three times with a wooden, you know. Wow. But a few years back, our church in Anaheim was hosting a Korean missions uh, conference. And I was asked to pray at one of, one of the nights in closing to a group that were going to Syria, Afghanistan, in fact, all of these Middle Eastern, and many of them were, were Korean ones. And they, and they were very straight to let me know that they were going to countries that I could never get in. You know, I understand that. But I sat and talked with this couple before. Asked them what they did, and um, he... Uh, was a driver's trainer for driving school. She worked in some retail. And I said, oh, okay. And our goal every year, we save our money and we spend two months out of the year in the summer going to a nation. And when we go, we go with only enough money for two or three days because we read that story in the Bible about Jesus. And when Jesus sent them out, they took a knapsack, just enough to go. And so we only take enough for a couple days because we're believing that we're going to come across somebody that's going to take us in and we'll be able to. So, I mean, he was telling me some of these stories. So I said, have you always done driver's training? He said, oh, no, no. He said, my wife was a shoe designer and we had a store in Manhattan, New York. I was the one that had the sh She would design them. I would have them made and we would sell them in our store. But God changed our hearts so much that we wanted to be on the mission field every summer that we couldn't do the jobs that we did because it was time consuming. So we moved to do jobs that we could do so that we could be gone a couple months in the summer. And I, I, I was blown, you know, and so they want me to pray for this group. And I was like, no, this group needs to pray for me. <laughs> See a heart difference? Not everybody's called to go leave your job and go, I wouldn't want to be a driver's train. Are you kidding? My son's getting ready to do that. That's the last person I want to be in a car with. <laughs> Good Lord. The patience. But they don't do it for the job. They do it for the mission because God called them. And it doesn't become a weight on them. It becomes a joy. And they would go to a land and have such faith to trust God that if they only took enough for two or three days, that God would take care of them the rest of the way. We come back and we read what the Apostle Paul says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Minister it to one another. We don't need to have a tally sheet of all the things that we did because God sees, God promotes, God rewards. We do it unto him and we serve his people because Jesus was that example that he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. We don't bring mom and get on our knees and ask Jesus to do something. We get out and we serve his people because when every part does its share, it causes growth 
for the body, and the body is the Lord Jesus Christ in his church, who he sacrificed everything. Think about that. So that we could gather together. So that we could teach one another. We could encourage one another. He sacrificed it all. And he's the one saying, use that gift. Come to me to understand the gift that you have. Let the body grow. And he'll teach us how to do it. So Lord, we pray today. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good gift. Lord, we thank you that when we read these things, we see that you want to use all of us in what you've called us to do. There's a grace when we walk in what we're called to do. It doesn't become weighty. It doesn't become heavy. We walk in this grace. So Lord, I pray today for all of us that we walk out. In fact, that one verse, if we camped on that one verse, let us walk worthy of our calling. Let us walk worthy of our calling. And Lord, you've given us the Holy Spirit to teach us how to walk it out, serving your people, not being overweighted on what to do, but just serving your people, our everyday, ordinary life, walking around, being ready to serve as you speak. And so receive all of our gifts today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.